Our Bible lessons from the first epistle of John leads us to the consideration of chapter 2, verses 18 to 23, where we read as follows. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you, because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. We have the tender expression again, little children, indicating a parental love and a special care of the Apostle John to those spiritual children that he had brought to the kingdom of God and had nourished them. And he affirms the gloomy future of the pathway of sin in this world. This is a profound revelation of Scripture. There has been satanic opposition ever since God's creation of Adam and Eve in the garden. You recall how Satan suggested to Eve that God had not spoken, first of all. And when he could not achieve her to agree with that, then the suggestion was that what God had said was not true. And so there has been a satanic opposition down through these many, many centuries. And prophecy reveals that there shall be a blossoming forth of this satanic opposition in the end time of the world or the consummation of the age, when judgment shall be pronounced upon all those who will not be happily in submission to the Lordship of Christ. This satanic opposition is going to take the form of a great personage who will be both cultured and bold, and will head up the opposition against the Lordship of Christ. The Apostle Paul also wrote about this personage, by inspiration in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. This is essentially the sin of Satan. He refused to abide in the profound place that God had placed him as the great created intelligence of this world, who apparently had some oversight thereof. But Satan wasn't satisfied with this secondary position only to the great God, but sought to intercept the worship that went up to the great God. So he sets himself up as God in the personage of this man of sin, 
with the Apostle Paul affirms would come. And so John uses the term Antichrist. And even so, he affirms there are many Antichrists in the world now. And we may be assured that that's the case in our day. This great period of the judgment of the world will come when God's patience has been exhausted with man's rebellion. As long as the glorious gospel goes forth and there are some who receive it with open arms and there are many true children of God that pray faithfully unto God, God will delay this time of supreme judgment. Now we read in the next verse, they went out from us. So here we have a definite designation that there is a true family of God, but they were not of us. We read in the 17th of John about this blessed relationship of the Lord Jesus. In verse 13, for example, and on a few verses, And now come I unto thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hateth them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So here the Lord Jesus portrays very definitely that those who respond to his overtures of mercy, who repent from their sins and seek his face and commit the salvation of their souls to his atoning death by the act of faith, are gloriously ushered into the family of God, are freely pardoned and restored and filled with the glorious radiance of his presence. So there is a distinct family of God. But we are told that there are many antichrists, apparently, lodging in the outward circle of the church. And sooner or later, these will manifest themselves and come out in opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ because their relationship is not one of heart. They are merely externally present in the assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they had been of us, the apostle writes, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Then we have a glorious statement, which is the secret of deliverance of the true Christian. And indeed we might call this passage we are considering Christian victory over satanic opposition. And the key to this Christian victory we have in this wonderful statement, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. The pronoun ye goes back to those who are truly of the family of God, who have forsaken sin and been reconciled to God by the grace of God. This word unction, or the word anointing, specifically refers to the endowment or gift of the Holy Spirit, as was promised by the Lord Jesus. It refers to a similar situation in Old Testament times where anointment was placed over the head of those who were dedicated to a certain particular use. There was an inaugural ceremony for the priests and sometimes for the prophets by which anointing they were regarded as endued 
with the Holy Spirit and with divine gifts, then we notice that this anointing is a present possession, that we are having it as true Christians. And this is the secret of our deliverance into the glorious light of the victory of God and keeping us from that deception. This word also occurs in verse 27 of chapter 2 when we will consider it more definitely. How deeply wonderful that the children of God have this baptism in the Holy Spirit as the gift of the risen Christ by which they are delivered from the delusions of Satan. And so the presence of the Holy Spirit is something that true Christians may depend upon as having and through which they may have victory and live holy lives. It is significant to notice that Jesus, the bestower of this glorious anointing of the Holy Spirit, is called the Holy One. And certainly we cannot partake of this anointing of the Holy Spirit without ourselves also being made holy ones. And so as the Spirit of God comes upon us, we are cleansed or purified in the sight of God through the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ as applied by the Spirit and uh, brings us into this glorious victory of salvation and glorious enlightenment from which we are delivered from the many delusions that surround us. We also notice that the word all appears in this passage, and it evidently does not refer to some kind of all-inclusive deliverance, but refers to, to the fact that all of God's true children who have truly been born of the Spirit have this wonderful unction or anointing of the Spirit which delivers them from all the deceptions of Satan. Then we have the net result of this. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. So this glorious anointing of the Spirit endues the mind and enlightens the mind to the wonderful truth of the living God and permits us to see through the deceptions of Satan as he would uh, deceive us and lead us in a false pathway. And so the true Christian is not walking in darkness, but is walking in light and has the light of life. Then we have this expression in verse 22, and certainly it is a positive, outstanding assertion, but so was the positive assertion of deity by the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? In the 10th chapter of John's Gospel, verses 30 on to 33, we have one of the many claims of the Lord Jesus Christ to true deity. The Bible account is that he was born of the Virgin and entered our sphere of life by the profound incarnation. Here the Lord said, I and my Father are one. And of course the reaction was most positive. Then the Jews took up stones against him to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do ye stone me? And then we have the positive conclusion of the multitude. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. 
and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. So the New Testament makes the deity of Christ so clear that those who deny to him his proper deity are said to be liars. This verse goes on. He is an antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. There are many professing atheists in our day. However, much of this atheism disappears when the stress of life comes into the experience. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. How wonderful to open our hearts to the truth of the living God, to acknowledge the guilt of our sin, to repent of that sin, and to come by faith to the cross of Christ and commit our way of forgiveness to the sufferings of Jesus. Then the glorious salvation results, and the Lord Jesus affirms that both he and the Father, through the agency of the Spirit, will take up their abode within the heart of the reconciled sinner. And how wonderful is his state before God. Our Heavenly Father, receive thanks that we may offer these glorious promises in the name of thy precious word, and how we pray that many may humbly receive them. In Jesus' name, amen.